1: Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Andrew Sharp, and on the other side of this conference table, from the Washington Post, Ben Goliver. What's up, man?
0: Not too much, Andrew. We are broadcasting live from the glamorous Cape Fear conference room at a courtyard hotel in Carolina (laughs) Beach, North Carolina. People are probably wondering, why are you guys there? What are you doing? All-Star has been over for 48 hours. I've definitely wondered the same thing, actually. The trip has just begun, Andrew. Open floor meets uh, the open road. We've had an incredible time on this road trip, and we'll probably dig into the details of that later. But I want to start by pointing something out. We always hear from people who say, "Oh, you guys are just like comic opposites, just the odd couple." You know what I mean? And usually, I'm like, "Don't press it too much. We're just yeah. two white guys who love basketball. Yeah, we're actually <laughs> we're pretty similar." Shockingly similar. But for this road trip, I would say we were very different, right? Because I started planning this thing literally 11 months. I can
1: confirm that you reached out to me in late July last summer. Uh, With the whole thing already sketched
0: out. I already had my hotels. I knew exactly where I wanted to go. It's a very complicated trip. Yeah. We went to University of North Carolina. We're down here in Wilmington or near Wilmington to see Michael Jordan's high school, childhood home. And we're going back to Duke to watch Duke UNC. I think I added Duke UNC at the end. Okay, I will give you credit for that. But the bottom line was that I viewed this like I was a tour company operator. And I had this whole (laughs) thing planned for months. I did not get final confirmation from you that you were coming until basically the day before we left. And I'll be honest, Andrew, when I picked you up. I didn't know if we were going to be like sharing a hotel room, like because <laughs> you hadn't informed me of any of your, um, of your plans or your logistics. And so I'm just saying the odd couple stuff thing here is true. I am way OCD when it comes to planning vacations and you just take it like it is, take it in stride. Maybe I'll hop in the car. Maybe you're going <laughs>
1: to yeah,
0: jaywalk j- home for all I know.
1: Never commit if you don't have to. Okay. <laughs> I was keeping things open-ended as as early as late july when you hit me up i was like oh wow that sounds hilarious that sounds great and in my head i was like are you kidding me <laughs> you really trying to do this 11 months in advance or nine months or whatever it was um well bottom line is the great plan led to a great vacation we've had a lot of fun. it it has been great uh i am a little bit under the weather right now i got sick toward the end of all star do you, you want to know how i got sick please you didn't tell me so um i love the rain and when we got out of the All Star Game Sunday night, you may remember it was drizzling. And I oh yeah, it. it was beautiful, like thirty five
0: <laughs> and freezing cold rain. Yeah. Well, no,
1: that's my favorite weather. Uh, it's a little colder than I typically <laughs> like it, but so anyways, I went and dropped off my stuff in the hotel. Makes sense. And then went back down to call my wife Alice and just have like a, a quick conversation, enjoy the rain for a couple minutes. And what happened was that I was on the phone, and Ben Simmons and Kendall Jenner walked past me as I was standing outside. And then I just kind of like, I couldn't help but sort of stalk them for five or ten minutes. Oh, no, we're going to the
0: TMZ zone here?
1: Well, no, it was funny because like they got into an SUV that was stuck in traffic, and and so I watched all this happen, and there were like ten cars in front of them, and I was like, so they're just going to have to sit there and wait for 45 minutes. But... Doesn't bre- sound like a very Ben Simmons bra- thing to do. Yeah, breaking news. Ben Simmons did not want to wait. And so he ended up getting out of the car and started directing traffic in the rain. And his driver was having trouble. Wait, which hand did he use? <laughs> I, don't, I, I wasn't paying attention. Sorry, KOC. Um, but his driver was having trouble. So then Simmons was like, what, do you want me to drive? <laughs> and... Eventually, it all got worked out. But so I was watching this whole sort of melodrama unfold in front of my eyes. So, did Kendall cough on you? Where is this going? No, on? it was just, I was too, I spent too much time out in the cold. Oh, <laughs> That's the whole point. Cool <laughs> just, story. I walked right back in and I was like, oh shit, I, I feel something in my throat. And Since then, I've been under the weather. That
0: makes sense. Well, while we're on the subject of the Charlotte All-Star Game, I know you don't want to talk about it for four hours because you spent the entire drive uh, on Monday morning out to UNC making fun of me for how much I wrote about the All-Star Weekend (laughs) events. But um, people out there, if you have not been
1: following along with Ben's content this weekend, he wrote an in-depth breakdown of pretty much every single event at All-Star Weekend, including like dunk by dunk in-depth analysis uh, of one of the worst dunk contests of all time. Um, look, some
0: of us enjoy these events. Okay? You're about that life, and I respect that about you. I, I really am, but I think we, big picture. I mean, people want us to keep it real. Uh, our listeners, when we get feedback, if they say keep it real, they want us to <laughs> to rank things. You know, in terms of you know what do we like, what do we not like. I don't want to be the rude house guest because I think mean, that's unfortunate. There was many situations where NBA staffers, like, went out of their way to be super helpful this weekend. Yeah. They really held it down. The people were very pleasant in Charlotte. I didn't really come in contact with anyone rude besides one Uber driver who we maybe can get into later. But it was a below-average All-Star weekend. Can we say that safely? Unquestionably. Okay. It um, doesn't make us jerks if we For a say number that. of
1: reasons. Do you okay. feel bad saying that?
2: No, not okay. at
1: all. I think you feel guilty because you think it was a, a subpar All-Star weekend because of Charlotte.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah.
1: You're, you're beating around the bush here. It was subpar in a number of respects. I think, number one, like we needed more stars. The yeah. Saturday night events were a bit of a letdown. The three-point contest was actually phenomenal.
0: It was good. Um, but again, I, I sat there thinking, like, why are we just doing this? Why aren't we letting Steph just do, like, a full routine where he's shooting from half court and like, doing, you know, yeah. up the degree of difficulty. But it, it was a good contest. I mean, Joe Harris really showed out. Um, but it was charlotte this was a charlotte problem and here's the thing the the weekend was punctuated by 35 degree weather and rain on sunday which was kind of perfect they had some real challenges because first of all it's charlotte the the history of the basketball team there it's not this incredible history right like they were there then they left then they got replaced by the bobcats and they changed their names so when you're like walking around the arena it's not like you're inundated with all this basketball history and the other big problem was I'm sure there's Hornets fans out there, and this is not intended to be like a slam towards Hornets fans, but when you walk around the city, there's no real vibe about how amazing, you know, Charlotte basketball is, or how important the NBA is. It's like you're driving down Billy Graham Road and seeing the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and it's like this is not really that NBA, NBA vibe. You yeah. we go to Chapel Hill yesterday, and it's like everyone's obsessed with the team. Everyone wants to talk about it. All the gear is just everywhere you see it. It's like right in your face. That's really what I kind of expect when I go to All Star Weekend. Like I just kept picturing like if Portland had been given the All Star game, and then it was taken away from them because of like some law about bathrooms. First of all, they're changing that law to make sure there's still going to be an All Star game. The fans in Portland are not going to just say no. You're going to take away All Star game over a a bathroom law. That's never happening, right? But if they did get it back (laughs) two years later. It would be the biggest thing in the, city, in the history of the city, right? And when yeah. we're going around Charlotte... I would love an All-Star
1: Weekend in Portland, just for the record. Would, I don't know if there are <laughs> enough hotels. No, I, I've heard a, that
0: there aren't. No, I mean, Airbnb would have to be the official sponsor, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm just saying, like, it would overwhelm the city. The city would be so excited. You would see Blazers stuff everywhere. It would be such a big deal. And outside of, like, some pretty good cheers for Campbell Walker in the arena... Yeah. Outside of an, a great appearance... And There is a lot of Steph love. A lot of stuff, love, and some and some appearances by like Alonzo Mourning and Bugsy Bogues.
1: Well, and J. Cole was sort of like the native son this weekend, and I'm not really into J. Cole, Um, so a lot of that was lost on me too. uh, He almost (laughs) dunked during the dunk. That would have been great. That was almost the
0: best moment of the whole thing. But they also had the challenge of Michael Jordan didn't want to be out front.
1: That was a significant
0: challenge for them. You know, he hosted his his annual Jordan party. He was on the court during the fourth quarter of the all-star game, handing the ball to the city of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of ceremonially passing the torch for next year. But Mike was not a slam dunk contest judge. He was didn't do a press conference. Like, he did it like a couple days before everybody showed up. So you didn't have like the most important person, the host, yeah, being the face of it. Those are real mm-hmm. challenges for the organizers. And they didn't really have a, a great city because the downtown Charlotte's just kind of like your typical – you know concrete jungle basically right so they had like one hand tied behind their back and their you know face blindfolded and the fact that we weren't just like completely trashing it is a sign that it, they maybe did the best thing they, they could possibly do
1: well and we were also trying to be nice <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay well feel free unload. No, no 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 here's I mean, the thing what do you think did you have a good time here's the thing
1: i did not love this particular all-star okay. weekend um and I would echo your point, walking around the arena, like, it's kind of jarring to see their history, um, because, really, there's, there's like, pictures of Kemba game winners, which are from the last, like, Three or four years. And that and, one of Alonzo
0: Morning like, laying on the ground.
1: Well, and there's a lot. They're really milking the Alonzo Morning, Muggsy Bogues, Larry Johnson trio, which is, like, 30 years ago. Um,
0: the one smart thing they did, though, is they have the jerseys, like, everywhere. You know, because they know they have good jerseys. Right? Yeah. So they just, like, framed random jerseys in their concourse, and it was just like, hey, this is this year, this is this year. It's like, that's a pretty good move.
1: And granted, Charlotte did lose their team, so right. Right, we should uh acknowledge that as well not a lot of bobcats history displayed around the spectrum center
0: but we also didn't was there a, a real push to get a team back or was it just like hey mike here's the team. i look
1: we need to put this team and we're we're getting very sidetracked here no, no, right? this
0: is the this no. is the story of all-star weekend though because it was a different feel than other all-star weekends like la is going to feel glamorous new york is going to feel glamorous Toronto was freezing cold, and man, their fans were just trying so hard. Like they just yeah. wanted to be involved, no. but they were happy to host it.
1: The yeah. All Star Game should be in New Orleans every single year. Yeah, and yeah. moving the Pelicans to Seattle is an optional corollary to that new rule. Uh, but either way, like New Orleans has the weather, the convenience, because Charlotte was like ten times more convenient than LA. Yeah. Um that's very true. And, and people want to go there. You're gonna get celebrities who want yeah. to go down in New Orleans for three days. I was you impressed. did not have many. <laughs> I was
0: impressed how many NBA legends showed up, right? Yeah. And like I mean you had but among like
1: the A listers, it was like Bill Russell? Guy Fieri, oh, yeah. Courtside, Don't and, say Guy Fieri like, Three and rappers
0: like, at the same time. Uh um, no, yeah. there were some significant challenges. Um that all of that being said. If Giannis had won all-star game MVP, would that have been the best all-star game you invented?
1: Well, that's a good way to transition it. Um, And by the way, we have loved our time in Chapel Hill and Wilmington and Raleigh. It's just that the basketball scene in Charlotte was a little tough. And honestly, what tipped the scales for me is I walked out Saturday night into like a pack of fratty dudes (laughs) who were not not attending the festivities but were drunk and chanting keep pounding at all the all-star goers and um which is the panthers chant you know nothing about the nfl but, but i was just like
0: Get me out of here. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. Um, so it's just clear. It's just not their on their hierarchy of what's important to them. The NBA is just not very high. It's lower than state.
1: NASCAR yeah. and football, um, mean, which is should, perfectly fine. I also want to
0: thank uh, everyone who was sending in North Carolina recommendations. The Open Floor Globe, North Carolina Ambassadors sent in some great ones. Bojangles, I made a little trip to Bojangles. I didn't get the chicken. I looked at it. I smelled it. It is
1: pretty funny. It's hard to take you places down here because, like, all the destination restaurants, like Cookout, I don't know if Cookout (laughs) has any vegetarian options. Excuse me? Can you
0: have a side salad?
1: Do you have a veggie burger? Um... But listen, let's talk real quickly. We're now like two days late after the All-Star game. Whatever.
0: We're operating on our schedule,
1: okay? It's true. Screw it. Um, We just spent the last 36 hours driving around (laughs) basketball (laughs) landmarks in North Carolina. Uh, I'm going to start with a text message that you sent me on Sunday night. Perfect. Uh, Ben says, hey man, I just filed my story and I am very pissed off about the Giannis snub. Should we move the schedule up and do the pod tonight? <laughs> and, uh,
0: so that was with no warning in the middle or at the very end of a long 72 hour stretch. I just felt like I had to get it out of the yeah. system.
1: I nixed it, but I'll, I'll,
0: I'll give you the floor here. Sound off no. on the Giannis snub. I mean, this is what friends do. Friends protect friends, right? <laughs> um, I think that I was thinking with my heart in that moment. I wasn't fully comprehending the, the emotional scale of the 20 point blown lead. Yeah. Um. And I was so excited that first quarter because, you know, remember you were making fun of me when I said there was a real pass the torch moment at the All-Star Draft where I was like, look, Giannis was more charismatic than LeBron, period. Like he's on that stage and he beat LeBron at the draft, even though he, he actually selected way worse players. Certainly. Uh, and you laughed at me. You said, "Okay, you're going too deep into the Giannis." No,
1: no, no, and also his draft strategy was smarter than I realized. That was smarter than both of us yeah, realized. Just not checkers. Him, we killed him for it, but he picked guys who probably didn't deserve to be in the
0: All Star game,
1: and therefore were trying much harder and were less hungover.
0: No, it was it was smart. But I thought there was a real moment at the start of that game again, where it's like the torch is being passed. Like LeBron is coming off the bench, yeah, for Team LeBron. He's wrapped up like a mummy with this pad on his body. He's unwrapping this pad. You know, it's like, okay, is this guy even going to be able to run up and down the court? What's happening here? It's like very, like if we're thinking of LeBron as this like just unstoppable, you know, physical object. It's like, he looks very mortal. Meanwhile, right. you just pan a little bit to the left, and Giannis is out there fully flexed with both arms. He just stalks around the court like he's about to kill someone, like he's searching for blood. <laughs> he's got that Russell Westbrook maniac look in his eyes. They throw the ball up for the opening tip. He has 16 points in the for- first quarter, basically all on Dude, dunks. yeah,
1: he opened the game with like 10 straight dunks. It was That's what I'm awesome. saying.
0: And, that's, and like, you have this moment where you're like, yeah. I don't know if LeBron is like no longer the best basketball player in the world, but we're sensing this power shift. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and I think we saw that even without an MVP. Um, I do appreciate your rage Sunday night and and look I was right there with you okay because I had to file like a
0: quick recap everybody on deadline that was like the worst possible outcome because the story wrote itself here's Giannis ascendant star
1: that's a story I've been writing for five years now okay and so I was sitting there I had written like Giannis is the Jerry West of all-star GMs Giannis is the, the 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 league belongs to Giannis now all these quick little bullet points right and um, it all kind of unraveled there. And you know what?
0: I I don't Are know you, if I want to say this. I know you, you're yeah. not sure, and I, I can tell what you want to say. I can read your mind. So here's the thing. I just complimented you a minute ago for protecting me from myself, but now I'm going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to protect you <laughs> from yourself. I well, think you need to get this take off your chest. This one's been percolating for three days. The people deserve to hear it.
1: Well, before I, I share my own thoughts, I, I do want to say – in the press availability, you know how yeah. they had that big room? I had like four different reporters come up to me and say, man, I was, I was with, with your co-host, uh, Ben, <laughs> and he was very fired up <laughs> telling anyone who had listen, Giannis was robbed
0: <laughs> after Sunday night. Um, well, so here's actually before you get to your, your heater take. How many points would he have needed to score to still get the media vote? Because media votes on the MVP for All-Star Game. Yeah. To still win that vote in a losing effort. So let's say they had still blown the game, but he had he had like been so spectacular in a losing effort against KD, Harden, LeBron, and everything, that everyone was like, look, we still have to give it to Giannis. Because he finished with 38. And to me, that was like borderline pretty close to almost deserving it. I mean, was it 50? It was
1: hard. I had an MVP vote, yeah. and I I was really torn because Giannis played his ass off. He played harder than anybody out there.
0: How many points did he need to get your MVP vote? Um, He
1: would have needed 40-plus 40 40 because plus. really, like— One more dunk. Durant <laughs> was— Durant didn't really have a memorable play all night, yeah. uh, and so— it, the, it,
0: the big three was sort of his—like that that one last three. Yeah,
1: I guess so. I, that, I, mean, I wanted to give it to Lillard because he kind of like powered the comeback in the third quarter. Yeah, forget Again, this is a game that none of our listeners probably remember at okay. this point. They definitely
0: remember and they watch. You're selling our listeners short, okay? The but all-star game is great.
1: what I would say, uh, my take on the night in general, I'm upset with Steph Curry, oh. okay? A lot of people were looking at Team Giannis and said, oh, Russell Westbrook is a minus 19. He cost them the game. Bullshit. Ooh. Russ played like Russ,
0: okay? (laughs)
1: Steph (laughs) did
0: not play like Steph. Oh, now you're coming around to the That's a real issue for me. So let me see. So now we're looking at Christmas, Martin Luther King Day, All-Star Game. Are you seeing the pattern, the big moments? At
1: the very least, Steph Curry owes Giannis a written apology for what happened Sunday night in Charlotte and beyond that I am beginning to wonder if maybe there's something to the idea that Steph doesn't play as well surrounded by the best players and look that only speaks to how badly I wanted Giannis to win MVP I know that that's almost certainly BS um but but I did sit there thinking like god God damn it, Steph! Now I have to redo this whole recap. Yes. I'm not going to get to spend the next 72 hours celebrating Giannis's arrival, um, and it was very frustrating.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it set up a really awkward dynamic where everyone was like, "Woo, congratulations, Kevin! You won MVP." <laughs> it was just well, like.
1: And this is the second year in a row that Steph is like was six for
0: 24 in the All Star yeah. game. I'm telling you, man. Uh, that <laughs> Are was, you? Do you really believe that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's funny. This little pattern that does emerge a little bit every once in a while. I, I don't really believe it. I think he's going to be all right. Yeah, I mean uh either. But that wasn't your heater take that I was trying to protect you from yourself. What? You had some, some thoughts maybe compare, comparing Michael Jordan, LeBron James... Our guy Giannis. Oh, well, and that yeah, it's been percolating, and I think Giannis.
1: Need... Giannis is more Jordan than LeBron ever was. Woo! And when you th- think about,
0: so what, dig th- in. Let's well, hear this. you have
1: to think about what Jordan was and what made him special initially. He was the best athlete in the history of the NBA when he hit the league, and um, and what ultimately made him Michael Jordan was that he turned out to be a psychopath who was more competitive than anyone in the league and got way better than anyone could have imagined when he was like a sophomore at North Carolina and Ben and I have spent the past
0: two days. And Are you he, tracing and, his footsteps? Yeah. We basically met with the nurse who delivered him. And we went <laughs> and met his kindergarten teacher. No, we didn't go that far. But. No,
1: but we've been at Laney High School and we went to UNC and uh,
0: we actually saw his childhood home too. That was pretty exciting.
1: And by the way, the only reason I'm reluctant to even make this analogy yeah. is that I, the best part about Giannis is that there are no expectations and he's not weighed down True. in the same way that LeBron was. Yeah. But what I, they could be coming for him. all I'm saying is that Giannis has the same combination of like historically freakish gifts with intangibles that no one could have predicted. And, uh, and he has, he's gotten like 20 to 30% better each year. And God knows where we're going to be in a couple years.
0: So I did this big comparison uh piece on Jordan and LeBron as scorers. Yeah. And it basically came down to the, the age old kind of cliche that like LeBron's a playmaker, Jordan's a scorer, right? I think that Giannis is wired more closely to Jordan than LeBron is. Yeah. Because I don't I think he's a he's a much improved passer. He's a very effective runner of the offense at this point of his career. But he is trying to rip your throat, you know, cut your head off. You know, rip your throat out. That is like exactly. the Giannis mentality. And you see him do it night after night this season. I mean, it, it, the same depiction I was uh, describing of Giannis kind of stalking around the court at the All-Star game was exactly the same thing I saw in Dallas earlier in the week where he's like, oh, Lucas here cool. Oh, Dirk's here. Dirk's last game. Great. I might give him a hug after the game. But before that, I'm going to score 36 and have 17 rebounds and do have all the other things that Giannis does on a nightly basis.
1: Exactly. And that's the thing is it's jokes at the all-star game. And if anything, it's like kind of dorky to try as hard as Giannis did.
0: (laughs) I I think he was sending a message, man. I, I think he came here and was like, look, I'm on this same level playing field with LeBron. Team LeBron versus team Giannis. I'm not going to try to work out and be buddy-buddy with LeBron during the offseason. I'm yeah. going to try to take this title from him, and maybe he, he probably hasn't done it yet. Well, but the fact that he wants to is very
1: Jordan-esque. Exactly, exactly. And this is the last time, I promise this is not going to become a <laughs> recurring theme on the podcast. I, I don't promise. I don't want to ruin Giannis with any kind of Jordan comparisons. Yeah. But, um, but it's, a, it's a thought that crossed my mind as we were driving through Wilmington and, and thinking about the beginnings of Jordan. And, uh, and the other thing I would add is that despite our mutual frustration with the lack of an MVP win for Yada Sunday night, it was the right way to play it because I think yeah. that the, the all-star game is a reflection of where the league stands now. And Giannis is not quite the number one dude in the league. And I think, it, I think it is Kevin Durant right now. And it, it's Kevin Durant in the most Kevin Durant way possible, in the same way that that was the most Kevin Durant MVP possible, where everyone just kind of looked around at the end and said, well, he's got the best numbers. I don't really remember anything he did, and this was kind of boring, but, like, you got to give it to him. You know what it reminded
0: me of? What? The DNC. Every Warriors game no, the last three the years. The DNC giving the nomination – to Hillary over Bernie. Like, we're the Bernie bros right now. <laughs> it's like, everyone's sort of just like agreed, okay, like, we, we have to do the thing. We have to give it to Hillary. You know, like, no one's really excited about it, but she, it's going to be her thing. Yeah. Katie gets the award. It's like, yes, it's the right thing to do. He was the best player on the winning team, had a bunch of points, led the comeback. So Katie is Hillary? In this analogy, and we're the Bernie bros. Uh oh, Giannis man. is on the outside looking at the, the extremists, ready to bring down the whole system. <laughs> the radicals. So,
1: uh, a couple more questions from the weekend. Ethan said, after watching Sunday night's All-Star shenanigans, I have only one question. Would Steph and Giannis be the greatest 1-2 combo in NBA history? And so, Ben, as an officer at Giannis Inc., I'm curious for your thoughts on the kind of percolating Giannis to Golden State conspiracy, do Team it? Joy, oh, Team yeah. Octagon. Give me your statement here. It bothers me.
0: Let's, let's not do this to him. He deserves better than this. Can we get through this playoff run and at least see how it goes first? You know, I, I don't think we should be doing that. I think it's a distraction. I understand why people want to connect those dots, but I think that's a little bit ludicrous. And also, let's please not overlook the comparison or the, the pairing between Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. I mean, when we're talking about all-time pairings, even if KD leaves this summer, if they wind up producing three titles in three years, win as many games as they did, smack everybody in the playoffs and make it not even close that duo should be considered you know up there with the kobe shacks of the world the mikes and the scotties of the world you got two uh, mvp candidates you've got the finals mvps for kd those are really 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 good all-time you know kd's gonna be a top 10 all-time nba player steph's not gonna be too far behind him that's one of the greatest all-time duos we don't need to run this back with the new guy Giannis. come on
1: yeah you're close to the correct take uh, um, but i here's Here's what I texted uh, noted Warriors fan, Sam Espandiari.
0: I love when you just read from your phone. I'm, I'm going
1: to, yeah. Because <laughs> he was he and Andy Liu, the uh, Warriors instigators of the internet, yeah. were out there heavy recruiting Giannis <laughs> publicly and trolling him? the entire league. And all I said to Sam was, I salute you, but I can't support you. Mm. Steph Curry needs to win a title with Draymond and Clay after KD leaves this summer. That is his path to top five all time, and a legit argument that he's better than LeBron James. That is what every Warriors fan should be rooting for. Then Draymond will get old, Steph will get hurt, and (laughs) Sam and Andy will never watch a 50-win team ever again. But great text message. Glad you read it. If they have a little bit of spirit, that you know, if you should be rooting for Steph to be in the like magic uh, bird category of NBA history, and he needs to win a title on his own. Don't go recruit another superstar. Don't like let, just let Steph be great after this year, after another run
0: with the lame ass Hampton Thigh. Very strong take. I'll tell you what I want to see more than Giannis and Steph uh, teaming up. Mm-hmm. Is Giannis's Bucks versus Steph's Warriors, no KD in the 2020 NBA Finals. Yeah, I mean, like it would be awesome. That would I guess, the the idea of how balanced that would be, and how many rich storylines would be in that series would be incredible, and it also mean that KD and Kyrie are are watching from home. So that, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be funny too. Uh, a lot of weirdness with
1: KD and Kyrie this weekend, and it's one of so those. Was things... that
0: scripted? I, I, my my antennas were buzzing. The idea that you know Kyrie is this. Considers himself this manipulator, right? Like this guy who kind of understands how the media works. Was he just leaning all the way into the, you know, the free agency drama by just budding up with KD, or is is there something genuine there too?
1: What's funny is that I could definitely see. Kyrie doing that without Kevin Durant realizing that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Kyrie watched the Uber Lakers commercial with LeBron. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I bet I could reenact that (laughs) at All-Star Weekend. (laughs) Just trying to like pull Kevin's puppet streaks.
1: I don't know. I I honestly missed most of it, but it seemed like there were eight different shots of them hanging out, buddy-buddy, like doing the thing where they're whispering to each other. There was one video where people were reading lips, and Kyrie Doing seemed to be saying that the Knicks had created two back slots. I don't really know, uh, but that's one of those things where, like, when you're in person, you just miss most of that stuff. So I'm, I'm a little behind on my, like, internet conspiracy theories. Yeah, But I'm glad to know that that whole thing is still alive and well and as weird as ever.
0: Yeah, I mean, if anything... We come away from All-Star Weekend with an even crazier and zanier impression of the upcoming summer. I mean, Dell Demps got fired on Friday, (laughs) which, you know, I was lecturing for weeks about why it might be a good idea for him to consider trading Anthony Davis. Self-preservation would have been a good reason to do it uh, when you look at the mess that unfolded there. And then Anthony Davis just implodes on All-Star Saturday practice and just has an absolute meltdown in terms of his media uh, responsibilities and, and just comes out completely sideways with all these talking points. So I came in expecting a pretty crazy summer. I left Charlotte expecting an even crazier summer.
1: Yeah. Um, let's talk AD, actually, because you wrote about him over the weekend. And Brandon said, what was the worst look for Anthony Davis at All-Star? <laughs> this is going to be a long list. <laughs> yeah. A- A.D. saying he never gave the Pelicans a list and he's willing to play for 29 other NBA teams, but not the Pelicans. B. Anthony Davis saying the Knicks are quote-unquote a great franchise. C. Davis supposedly speaking for himself while Rich Paul was looking like the devil on his shoulder in every shot during the Anthony Davis NBA TV interview. D. All of the above. Brandon actually did – he missed a couple things because I would also add uh, leaving the Pelicans game at halftime or right after halftime Thursday night on the way into All-Star weekend guaranteeing that the the weekend was going to be clouded by more weirdness and more people kind of side-eyeing him and everything he's done over the past few days. Then he played on Sunday. Like if, if I were advising Anthony Davis, I would say, look, dude, Let's just disappear for three or four months. Let's go work out on an island in the Caribbean. Let's play up the mystique. No one wants to see you or hear from you after this all broke bad in New Orleans. And let's just wait. Let's, let's bunker down and wait, wait till July 1st. You know how I feel
0: about accountability, Andrew? And I need to hold myself oh accountable. No, I, I need to hold myself accountable. Because okay. a couple months ago, before all of this, once new orleans's season started going south i came on this podcast and i said you know what anthony davis needs to just publicly request a trade there's no point to him uh hanging out in new orleans for the balance of this season he can go help a contender right now he can just you know pick his next, next destination it'll be better for the pelicans if they move him and we'll go forward from that so i told anthony davis to request a trade Andrew, I did not tell him to quit on his teammates. Uh I did not tell him to find Pelicans fans, run them over with the bus, back over them with the bus again, and then run over them with the bus a third time, (laughs) which is what he did at All-Star Weekend. It was an unconscionable performance from Anthony Davis. The 29 teams thing should define him for the next 18 months until he signs his next long-term deal. Okay, that right, is an atrocious on, on. comment to be making. Listen, I think you're overcompensating for your earlier
1: mistakes. BGPR <laughs> is struggling right now. Okay, athletes, if you need PR, come to no, Team no, no, Sharp. Okay, first of all, we can work with you. No, because what you said initially, I, I'm not backing you, off that. I know. But when you, if you, if you go back to our podcast on the on the matter, like three months ago, I think you said. If, you're, if you want to get out now, you're going to have to kind of go scorched earth and yep. make some enemies. And he tried that, and it didn't work. Well, I didn't
0: think – he scorched too much earth. The scorching was too scorching, you okay. know what I mean? And I think that all these games about leaving the arena and doing all of these, you know, like, okay, we're going to just disappear during halftime, it's unprofessional. And his comments over the weekend, you know, he was trying to basically blow off this, oh, I don't listen to anyone, what they're saying. I don't listen to the criticism. These last couple weeks haven't been very hard on me. At no time did he mention really any care or thought about Del Dems, who is his GM for years. You should yeah. say something there. He barely talked about his teammates. If he talked about them, I must have missed it. I was reading the whole transcript, didn't hear much about his teammates. Um, they're in the middle of a season. You know, they're trying to make do without him. He doesn't seem to have any care for them. This is just not the guy who we thought we knew even a year ago. Well, we never knew him. <laughs> I, I, mean, know, but I look, think
1: we're getting to know him and we're all kind of bummed out.
0: Right, so we judged him by his actions previously and the actions were 40 points, 20 rebounds, carrying a team as yeah. much as he could, right? Haven't
1: heard you speak in seven years. That
0: and was the Anthony Davis resume. Right, that's a pretty good resume. Sure. Now we're looking at him and saying, you're getting fake MRIs, or maybe real MRIs, but you're just disappearing yeah. in the second <laughs> half and taking a, a flight to Charlotte for All-Star Weekend, bailing on your teammates. First of all, I think it was the right move to get rid of Dell Yeah. I mean, he needed to make that trade happen. Given how ugly that situation was, he should have been pursuing it. And if, if he couldn't get it done, he owed everyone a public explanation about how close did it come? What's his plan going forward? Here's how they're gonna use Davis down the stretch. He had to have a public statement ready to go once that trade deadline passed. He did it. He basically threw Alvin Gentry to the wolves day after day after day. Gentry lost his cool at one point. I understand that. I mean, it's an incredible amount of pressure. I certainly would not blame him for this uh, in any way. Yeah. If I'm the Pelicans now, I think it's time to start suspending Anthony Davis without pay for conduct detrimental to the team. He is being more than just mm. a distraction. He is being the, It's the kind of situation where you don't know where you can count on him. Is he injured? Is he not? Is he going to be out there playing and doing what they expect from him? Uh, I think the whole thing. I mean, we already know that the league didn't look happily well, on it because they find him. And Adam Silver came out at his press conference and said, look, we don't want to have these situations play out in public. And this yeah. situation has been very, very public. If I'm the Pelicans, I'm taking it out of Anthony Davis's pocketbook.
1: Um, do you think he has a pocketbook? Man purse, perhaps?
0: I mean, he's got yeah, I, a I lot actually, of money. I
1: did see a lot of, like, Louis man purses yeah. this weekend. No, it's a That's, big thing.
0: It's an all-star thing. Um Here's I can't the deal. believe that your reaction to that rant <laughs> was, how do you think Anthony Davis holds his money? <laughs> well, you said I'm taking it out of his pocketbook. I don't know, man. I'm reaching into his pocket. I'm uh, taking the money. It,
1: it becomes a labor issue if you start suspending him without pay. And, and I think it's already a labor issue. Yeah, he made it a labor issue respect. by not working. Well, I guess so. But I, I think that that's part of the concern on the part of the NBA is if Anthony Davis wants to play, the Pelicans can't just sh- – shut him down, and sent him home. And that's the difference between what New Orleans is trying to do with Davis and is, what Cleveland has done with J.R. Smith or so Houston with Melo.
0: Is he going to play or is he going to get three points?
1: Um, I haven't been watching these sad Pelicans games, so I can't really comment he on his f- effort level Is right he going to
0: play or is he going to go home in the second quarter?
1: Yeah, look, you're not going to get arg- any argument from me that Anthony Davis has mishandled this and allowed others in his life to mishandle this. and And I think... If I were to kind of defend what happened this weekend, I would say, number one, the whole, like, I'll throw something on Instagram, that quote,
0: that was so tone deaf
1: and terrible where he he told, uh, what was the quote exactly? Okay,
0: so he's at the podium for his big Saturday press conference, and... He first of all, he referred to New Orleans as his home in the past tense. He's like, "That was my home." Yeah, Anthony, you're under contract for the next <laughs> year and a half, right? Like, you're just assuming they're going to trade you. Well, he's out, you know. Yeah. Uh, we, we've mentally, all seen it happen. Hey, look, mentally, we know he's out. So yeah. he refers to New Orleans in the past tense, and then he says, "You know, I'll have something nice for the fans when I leave." You know, I'll have a, a message that I'll put up on Instagram like everybody else does. So that's like going to Thanksgiving dinner you know, with your wife's family and be like, yeah, well, when we get divorced, I'm sure I'll just write her a nice breakup note publicly posted on social media. That is a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah,
1: well, and it, he started out saying exactly the right thing. And then <laughs> when you throw it, I'll, I'll just throw a message on Instagram like everybody else does. But here's what I w- would add. Yeah. Is I think that was just kind of an awkward moment from a guy who's not very good with the media. And it was taken out of context and, I don't, and I, used to paint him as like a, completely tone-deaf villain, which I, think he's I don't very think de- is
0: accurate. I think I, he's very tone-deaf. I, I
1: think he's, he may be tone-deaf, but I don't think he's a villain. I don't think he ha- yeah. has any ill will toward New Orleans, and I do think he has cared about that city more than a lot of superstars have
0: cared about their kind of lost franchises. No, that's a good point. I also think, though, that I don't know if you want to call him sheltered or Whatever I I think he suffers from the same Kevin Durant problem, which is he doesn't always understand how his comments are going to be interpreted and how they could be taken by other parties, right? Like He sees things from his perspective. It's a little bit myopic, I guess, maybe would be the right word because when you're saying 29 teams, you're telling fans who have been cheering with you, the people who you supposedly cared about, that they're the only franchise that you don't want to play for, that you would rather go play for the Suns or the Chicago Bulls, or the Orlando Magic, rather than the Pelicans fans who have been riding with you for seven years. And most Pelicans fans, when they heard about the trade request, they were like, good for you, Anthony. Like, you deserved it. You've been putting up with this team for years. They did
1: not say that. some
0: did. He he jumped
1: the gun. Had he waited until July, everyone would have understood. And that that was the issue. And I think with the 29 other teams quote, and then adding Boston to the list, by the way... Right about the big things, nah. Anthony Davis is gonna end up on the Celtics.
0: Um, yeah, him and Gordo. What a what a great two going to be. Celtics
1: are dicks, I think is my official prediction at this point. Um, and but here's here's what the way I read this yeah. weekend's comments from AD was this was him sort of taking back control from uh, his dad and yeah. from Rich Paul and from Leaks on his behalf. That may not have accurately reflected how he feels, Did and he when succeed, he though? "Well, to to some degree," and uh, and I'll get there in a second, but when he says, "I will play for 29 teams. I just want to win." What he's saying is, "Don't hold me to the four teams that were leaked to Woj two weeks ago." It just unfortunately he has lost the benefit of the doubt with a lot of people because of how poorly this has been handled over the last three weeks, and. And part of that is on Anthony Davis. He's the guy who agreed to leave at halftime or, or yeah. spearheaded that decision. And so, like, he should be accountable for that. But I also – I don't think his comments this weekend were as toxic as they were portrayed in some places. Like, basically, this is a guy who is saying, I want to win. And the Celtics – like, it, it does matter. He said numerous times. I, I, the Celtics are on my list the, the Celtics were never off my list and that is a different message than we've heard and I think it it, it matters that he's speaking out and kind of like contradicting
0: everything we we thought we knew 10 yeah. days ago. I mean part of the problem that I have is, he can't keep his story straight right like because within these interviews he's saying i have a list i don't have a list the Celtics well, are on the was list well this is the
1: first time he's been the one telling the story which yeah. i
0: think is telling but within two hours he told three different stories and that's part of the problem and what? i think i think the most what were the different stories well he first in the interview he said he had a list then he said he didn't have a list. Then he said every team's on his list. Then he said the Celtics were never not on his list. And then yeah. he said the Celtics were on his list. So it's like, come on, Anthony. Like, which one is it, right? And I think what you're summarizing is an accurate representation of his takeaway. But he communicated it so haphazardly yeah. that that message did not get through to everybody. The message that got through was Anthony is in his own little bubble. He's lost control of the situation in the past. Like clearly, other people are steering him, maybe giving him bad advice, taking him the wrong direction. Yeah. He's struggling to bring it back together. He was not ready for his Saturday media because he did not have his talking points like ready to rock. Yeah. And he did not understand the impact that his words would have on people who really, really, really supported him for a long time. Yeah, and, and that's and, not good. That's, and then, I mean, there's I mean, no way you can view this weekend as a win for him.
1: I think he deserves some blame for that, yeah. but I also think no, th- that the people around him deserve some blame for that, and I've alluded to I, – I think it's his dad, and I think it's Rich Paul, and yeah. Rich Paul takes a lot of unfair criticism yeah. and, uh, and certainly has uh, over the last 10 years, like particularly when he was starting out, he dealt with a lot of coded yeah, yeah. racist BS, and, uh, and I think in general, he's done a great job for the guys he represents. But in this case – And he could
0: still do a great job for Anthony. He
1: could. I do think that some of this is is a little bit irreparable, um, at least in the next year or two, um, with the people in New Orleans. And I, it didn't have to end this way, and it was almost certainly going to end this way. And in, all of this was foreseeable. And so I think part of that is on Rich Paul, and part of it is on Davis for not taking more ownership of things. Um, but – Bottom line, I didn't have a problem with most of what he said this yeah. weekend. I just think he's forfeited any sort of
0: goodwill or benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and well like, said. But your point on the vilification is a great takeaway. He's a, He was a sloppy communicator. Uh, this whole thing played out too harshly. It did not go according to plan whatsoever. There may not be a resolution. If he gets traded to a team that wants to rent him, I, he seemed resigned to the idea that he might not have a long-term resolution for next season, or at least open to the, the possibility that that's how it plays out. Yeah, uh, He has to go the Kawhi route. That doesn't make him a horrible person. But I do think he's been steered well off course, or the course that he should have been on, and I, look, hopefully he gets it back. Yeah, and I think he always intended to wait
1: until this summer, until like, we got to like January and the plan changed. And, uh, and it's cost him, and it's unfortunate. But uh, I think big picture, this is the last time we're going to talk about Anthony Davis for a while because he's probably going to get shut down and hopefully he will take my team sharp PR advice and just go chill
0: in the islands for a couple months and work out down there um and that's the other thing too is like because we just assume that that's what would happen like as soon as the trade deadline passes it's like okay we're not going to hear from them instead they fire their gm like three days later yeah and Anthony's well, like, and he's
1: walking out like yeah. look and he has stated he wants to play and he wants yeah. to be on the court which is more bad advice like there's no possible win for him staying in these pelicans games like that's just a bad idea yeah and you know
0: so anyways. I go the other way with it, but I understand what you're – after all of this, there's a strong argument to be made that just don't do it. I wish he had just played hard through this whole thing and played hard through the end of the season.
1: Yeah. Um, but I, I, think, think I think it's too its
0: too late to put that back together.
1: Exactly. The toothpaste is out of the tube, and yeah. we're at a point where like, it benefits no one involved to have him out there. Um, so, Do
0: you think less of Anthony Davis as a player, or as a person, based on all this? Because you're saying you're not going to vilify him – you know, you're 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 pitting other people I as being think largely he, responsible for this. I mean, does it change your perception of him?
1: I didn't think that much of him to begin with as no, a, you as a you person. I think he's a great player, oh, okay. I, but as a as a person or as a media presence, like he came out. Um, I believe it was this season. It may have been last season. It all kind of blurs together. But like, I remember one interview he did with Rachel Nichols where he said he wants to be recognized as the the best player in the world and wants to be. What's to have a higher profile, which I think are reasonable desires if you're as good as Anthony Davis, but like my takeaway then was just like you're pretty boring man're you're, you're <laughs> like, to to you not ready yeah. so um uh, I, I my final thought is that Anthony Davis is going to be traded for either Jason Tatum or Zion Williamson, and Ooh. that is as that is as far as the trade conversations need to go like there's a ninety percent chance that that's
0: how it's gonna end and uh We'll see. So I just think like if this weekend was sort of the product test for like the more famous version of Anthony Davis... It didn't go well. Back to the lab.
1: Yeah, but it's, it's tough because he was starting from uh, not a great spot with a lot of people. Anyways, before we move on, Ben, I want to say today's show is brought to you by SAP. Every NBA fan thinks they can be a GM. I certainly have. I do. But could they really? Now SAP and the NBA are putting four stat savvy fans to the test in a new reality show called GM School. There will be a team of celebrity judges including Championship GM David Griffin and Hall of Famer Kevin McHale and they will decide who's ready for the front office and who needs another season to study up. Catch GM School powered by SAP. Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on NBA TV when you started that ad read I thought we were gonna
0: be in this this sounds amazing <laughs> This is right up our alley. So again, it's GM school powered by SAP Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on NBA TV. I kind of like this idea.
1: Honestly, it's not completely outside the realm of possibility <laughs> if, if David Griffin is the celebrity GM uh, you know, we could be celebrity podcasters I'm in. Throw us up there with the starters. <laughs> let, us, let us guest star on one show. Uh, yes. Check out uh, GM School on
0: NBA TV. Now I want Kevin McHale and David Griffin to look at your fantasy maneuvers and judge you based on how Team Shark is going.
1: Honestly, it's, a, it's been an <laughs> impulsive season for me, so I don't think I would grade out very well. Uh, but that's, that's the thing with fantasy. Sometimes you just get bored and need to feel the rush of, of a successful deal. And then uh, – I feel like that. Then was comes his, the letdown when you realize you've traded half your team. Isn't that a Rich Paul's exact uh, pitch to Anthony Davis? <laughs> yeah, I think it might have. Been. You just need the rush of a deal. Anthony. <laughs> Let's get this done. All right. Here's here's one more quick thought that I had. Okay. And uh, I'll use this question to frame it um, before we move on from like trade demand season. Brian said, "With the recent controversy over trade demands, I get the sense that a majority of media opinions." are in favor of the teams in all this. And I have to say, I find it odd that these are all employees who are currently embracing the employer's position. Uh, And I wonder, is it because America's Protestant work ethic is deeply rooted in our media? Or two, that employees depend on our employers for life and breath, so naturally they adopt their positions? Or three, That most NBA podcasters are just of an older generation shaking their fist into the sky, rebuking these entitled millennial snowflakes who don't know what it is to work. Um, There's a lot there, but I know... There's a lot of, like, crazy...
0: (laughs) No, but I I know... off the rails in a couple spots. You have some concerns about what this could do to the league, right? I mean, like, if we just keep getting the Kawhi and Anthony Davis and all this stuff just happens over and over again... Aren't you a little concerned about where that goes?
1: I am, and I actually disagree with the premise of this email. I think the prevailing sentiment, even from Adam Silver, at, at points during his press conference on Saturday night is that, you know, let's just kind of live and let live. And this is the way it works, and this is the system we have, and it's, it's working more than it's not. And let's not overreact to one situation with Anthony Davis or some perceived epidemic in the NBA. Yeah,
0: Adam Silver was like, Look, you guys can do your trade requests just quietly. Yeah,
1: and I was like, Man, where is David Stern
0: <laughs> when we need David Stern? David Stern you know? probably would have excommunicated Rich Paul. No
1: offense. I mean, this is crazy. Like, they, like the Rich Paul thing. Like, I, it's, he's a great agent. It, institutions matter at some point. And uh, on the last podcast, I talked about how the NBA could come out of the Warriors era. Better than ever because, okay. because fans have learned to watch the game in different ways and follow it obsessively 11 months a year. And once you add real parity at the top of the league on top of everything else that has helped the game grow over the past few years, the NBA could really explode. And I think that is one possibility and uh, and something that should not be discounted when people are talking about, oh, the league is really in trouble right now. The ratings are down. like. This league could really take off in the next couple of years. I think we should also consider though, and to respond to this email being like, oh, like this is just old guys shaking their fist and rebuking entitled millennials. Like, no, it's, there's a distinct possibility that we're going to be in the post LeBron era and there are going to be so many changes around the league that all of this is just going to become a little bit more superficial and fans are going to care a little bit less and kind of roll their eyes at everything in the same way that when Jordan left, we had to sit through like five to seven depressing years at the start of the new millennium. I think like we could hit a point where everyone's eyes just glaze over and and, and things just kind of move sideways for a little while and the, the league stops growing the way it has been. And uh, I that would be the thing that everybody should worry about and be conscious of as a real possibility.
0: So a couple of thoughts on the email and then what you said, uh, first of all, I don't think that we have ever criticized guys for taking like a one year deal or a two year deal with the one year opt out to maximize their leverage. I think we've praised that just like as an intelligent move, right? Like you want to have control over your career. You don't want to be tied into a team. You want to go out there and be a free agent. Do you? We've always kind of said that if you want to bounce around from team to team, Or keep everyone kind of hanging on your decision so be it i think there is an issue if you sign a four or five year deal and then you want out after one or two years and you're and you're not going to do it in the kind of polite quote-unquote way you're going to bring it publicly you're going to be a distraction you're going to screw your whole team season up players have to be held accountable for doing that i mean if we didn't say something and we're just out of like the idea that oh we have to just protect the players rights to be employees yeah It's not really how it works.
1: It it isn't, and it's not how sports works, and it's not how the – it's not how sports have typically had an appeal for, like, most consumers. I think there's this idea that, like, all people are fans of players now, not teams. And that may be true for, like, 13-year-olds on the internet, but a lot of people – like, if Ben Simmons demands a trade from Philly in a year and a half, and suddenly Ben Simmons is on the Lakers and then – Giannis is on the Warriors and it's Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis on the Knicks like a lot of people are going to look around and just have no anchoring point for this league and we'll just be like I I don't know if I really give a shit because a lot of the games have not been great either. Yeah so here's what I'd
0: say on that. that that was where I was going next I think there is a generational gap between people who are like maybe our age and a little bit older and a lot older who are kind of team centric fans right yeah rooted for their guys you know the the laundry not the name on on the back right and then younger people are tending to to be fans more of players rather than the teams i think you know that's all well and good but if you don't have quote unquote your players if you don't have the lifelong players or even guys who are sticking around for you know five to six years and obviously you're just getting guys on the rookie deals and then they're gone yeah for teams that are not destinations you're basically saying you're never going to have stars, right? You're undercutting their ability to, you know, small or, market teams, you're, you're undercutting the, their whole idea that you have the chance to compete for a title. So that's a problem. And if you're looking at big market teams and they're just shuffling around constantly and it's like, okay, this is the year that we get to rent KD and then he's going to be off to some other destination next year. Again, why be a fan of that team? If, if they're just, you know, kind of going through is your allegiance, going to come and go as the stars come and go? Are you really going to be there through thick and thin? I think that's a problem. And I
1: hate feeling like a Republican in all yeah. of this. But I do think that there is some value to continuity and tradition. Well, put aside like
0: the labor part of it and just say, if you want to win titles, continuity definitely matters.
1: It definitely matters. And also, as far as the labor side of it, you know, I think that we may get to a point where silver has to be more proactive, not just about trade demands, but about every player in the league. Because the money is getting so big that guys can afford, and not only the money, but there's a demand for superstar talent that that guys can can sign one-year deals and not worry about risking anything. Because Anthony Davis could sign a one-year deal next year, or he's not a free agent until 2021, but he can sign one-year deals and know that he's going to get $40 $40 million a year from whoever on the market regardless of an injury, regardless of whatever happens, and once you're in that territory, it does begin to get a little dicey in terms of like what kind of message you're sending to fans and whether people should care, and, um, and that, that may make people feel uncomfortable. But ultimately, I think it would be better off for the league in general to have a little bit more stability than it has had over the last two years. And maybe this is an aberration and we're going to kind of
0: level out here. But it's something to
1: be conscious of.
0: Well, when I look at it from the player's side… I think it's going to continue. I don't really see a lot of motivation. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> I don't see a lot of motivations for guys to go back to sort of the old school level of thinking. Like every once in a while, you can find a player who, who finds benefit in being that Dirk for his franchise. Yeah. But if KD goes to New York, he will be talked about so much more. He'll sell so many more jerseys than if he goes back to Golden State. That's just a fact. Same thing with Kyrie. It's a new cycle of those jerseys. And... You know we can complain, oh, the guy changed teams four times in six years, right? Right, but six years is a long time if you're operating like six second vine by six second vine, you know what I mean? Which is basically like <laughs> how we live our life. now. We do point. sound old, so <laughs> no, that, that's how we live, right? Yeah, I mean, like, well, t- if you step back and say, Wow, it's gonna be nuts if KD goes to his third team in five years, we're talking about a top 10, 15 all time player who's just basically shopping markets as he sees fit, but when you're in the moment. Is that going to stop people from buying a KD Knicks jersey? Heck no. It's going to be the number one jersey in the league.
1: But the, the question then is how much of that interest translates to people actually watching basketball. Yeah. And, and like, that, that was, what are, I was you, at. are you trying to win the 13-year-old demographic yeah. who's out there buying Knicks jerseys? Or are you trying to win... The battle with the NFL for the next 30 years and and that's
0: a different question, I think so my concern is would be the local TV ratings Right, like if you have markets who are just consistently missing out on all these guys They're just cycling through like five or six teams They actually want to play for and everybody else is sort of a feeder to those teams Yeah, and you start to feel that even more intensely because the guys are moving more often and you're still striking out every single year That's when I think you'll see local TV markets for non-marquee teams drop.
1: Yeah, and the NBA is going to continue growing regardless because it's well positioned to kind of own the future um, in part because it's, it's media it is so well suited to the digital era. So like there's going to be built in growth that happens regardless. But the question is whether the NBA will be able to capitalize on those built in advantages and sort of like optimize the next 20 years. Or whether we're going to be in kind of this weird no man's land because well, I, I mean, the other thing
0: I've seen the NBA do in terms of capitalizing on it is it seems to me they've already concluded like the guy who's sitting at home watching every second of 82 of his team's games is not who they want. They, yeah. they want the person who will just buy a league pass for the fourth quarter of a close game, you know, yeah. and just pay that micro payment. They want the guys who are going to be on league pass and just streaming whatever games they randomly want to watch with their favorite players in them. And I think that they've already tried to foresee the future and basically decided like we can't go back.
1: Yeah, and uh, and they may be right there. Um, Like it's possible that there's nothing Adam Silver could do. I just wonder whether that's actually true, you know. And I and I think that there is room to take a harder look at changes and and ways to kind of to enforce contracts a little differently and send a message at least that like this. sort of free for all like free market approach is not necessarily the best thing for the league and may not even be the best thing for the players because if the league suffers eventually that's going to trickle down to the stars themselves and really like when we're talking about pro player league like right now the system we have benefits 10 to 15 superstars at the top. And then there are a lot of guys. Like, if I were another player on the Celtics, I'd be like, this sucks. I feel so terrible
0: for the Pelicans players. It's I mean, it's, it's brutal. Like, you've been brought in to basically be, like, a supporting guy on the Anthony Davis story. And then he just checks out of the movie halfway through. And now yeah. you're just the extra on, on the set saying, well, what are we supposed to do? We're trying to win? Are we trying to lose? <laughs> what, like, what's the game plan? Uh, no, there's no doubt about it. And we get some of these you know, these uh, emails about the labor issues. And I I heard from a lot of people when I was crushing Jimmy for his despicable behavior in Minnesota, people got really mad at me and said, you know, he's an employee like anybody else. He should have the right to do what he wants to do. Really try to think through that. Do you have a coworker trying to imagine how that coworker, if he's taking the Jimmy Butler approach in Minnesota to your office, how, how quickly does that get old? If Anthony Davis, a guy you've been trying to ride with for years, just pulls this act in the middle of like you know your big project season. How are you really going to react to that? You know yeah, I mean? and you know when it gets old, when
1: like not just one coworker does it, but like six coworkers do it, and then you look around and be like, maybe this workplace just sucks.
0: Maybe I should be doing this. <laughs> yeah, or,
1: yeah, or I will demand a trade. Uh, yeah, as someone who kind of defended Jimmy Butler, and I I think part of what Jimmy Butler did was still fine where he said look i'm not
0: resigning so trade me that I'd, part is fine yeah i don't think anybody has i don't know very many people who have a problem with trade requests at this point right so that's i agree that but, the, the premise of this question was off a little bit
1: yeah but then to 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 show up and actively sabotage your work right. environment the way jimmy Butler did or you know to anthony davis's side to, to just shut it down yeah. and then when you're not traded show back up and say look play me i'm ready to finish out my career as a pelican it's like all right bro like i don't really know what you're expecting to get out of this but
0: yeah and i, I do think it's not a great trend that like you look at these executives i mean if it's thibodeau if it's dems i mean unfulfilled trade requests or delayed trade requests costing people jobs yeah, that can get real damaging to the and league.
1: Dems, man, he—they both they deserve were to go. Ten but,
0: different reasons yeah. to fire Dell Dems, and it should have happened five years ago. I'm, I'm just saying, if this pattern continues, where it's like if you, if you just try to stick up for your organization and say we don't want to trade you right now, we're not getting a great offer, you need to continue playing because you're under contract, and the players are just like, all right, well, I'm just going to make a mess of it and see what happens. Yeah, and the re- organizational response is okay, we're firing our GM, and then we're going to ultimately trade you. That could get pretty dangerous for the league. Yeah. That's a pretty slippery slope. It certainly could. Um, all right. Uh, here's a question. Who's the worst player in the league who could get his GM fired by requesting a trade, having it not happen, and having it blow up in their face? Like, how far do we have to go down this spec order? Because Jimmy is – is he a top 20 player this year? Yeah. Um.
1: No, I definitely mean, not.
0: At the time of the whole Bruja. At the time, he I mean, was. He, would, yeah. or he was at least seen that way. So, wait,
1: what's the question? Who's the worst player? I'm just saying, like, if we
0: look at the top 100.
1: I'm too tired
0: for this. Yeah, We've yeah.
1: spent too much time driving
0: okay. over the <laughs> last couple <of> days. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, because there was a cutoff, right? Like, uh-huh. when Thon Maker requests a trade, John Horst's job is not going to be in jeopardy if he doesn't trade Thon Maker, right? Yeah. But there's somewhere on that pecking order. You get up to Anthony Davis, it's like, yeah, I'm is going to get fired if he screws us up. Oh yeah, yeah. Thibodeau's gonna get fired if he screws this up. So how, like, how far, like, if Chris Middleton pulled this act, like, could he? Does could he have the ability to like leverage his GM out of and get
1: job? John Horse fired? Yeah, I,
0: I, see, I don't know if he does. I don't think he does. So what if what does. if DeRozan did it in Toronto or in sorry in uh, San Antonio? Mm, or, I, I
1: think RC Buford's safe regardless. Yeah, but, yeah. I agree.
0: okay. So what about Lowry in Toronto? Uh. <laughs> See, I I think I think what your point was is there's like 15 guys who the system benefits. Yes. I think we're looking at a range of like 15 to 18 guys who could kind of pull this act. Right. But if those guys are constantly pulling this act, this is all we're going to be talking about for the next five
1: years. You know where the cutoff is? It's actually a nice segue to the next question. Oh, great! I think Bradley Beal could <laughs> pull this act. Oh, Ernie's Ernie's
0: gone in 48
1: hours. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the one thing that could get Ernie fired um, if he mismanaged the situation.
0: So break the Beal thing down. Do you have a question?
1: Uh, No, I have a tweet here, and it's from Chase Hughes, a friend of mine in D.C., uh, works for the NBC affiliate covering the Wizards. And he said, Bradley Beal said he couldn't name names. But he was actively recruiting at the All-Star game, looking for players to join him in D.C. with the Wizards. Some guys even came up to him and asked, if you have theories, let's hear them.
0: I mean, I I would – I start my list with weighted dirt. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, they're the most available.
1: One last dance for Wade, but much, much sadder. Yeah, I could see that. I um, mean, there's a lot
0: of like former players. Like, do you think maybe Glenn Rice? Uh like, yeah, think that's gets-
1: true. <laughs> Del Curry coming out of retirement. <laughs> Mark Price run it back with the bullets. So
0: break this bill down. You're the expert in this well, situation. You have to explain this deal situation because he come out. Not only do you he say he's recruiting players to Washington, but he basically pledged a lifetime blood loyalty to the Wizards out of absolutely nowhere. I know, and this is What the thing. is he thinking?
1: This is I don't mean to sound brazenly hypocritical here after talking about trade demands and worrying about kind of the future landscape of the NBA for 10 minutes. But Bradley Beal is the one player in the NBA who has every right to ask out of DC and if we're in this kind of weird zone where Anything goes with trade demands. He's got two years left on his deal, but like, make the call. (laughs) Definitely don't spend your time recruiting all stars. I can't imagine how sad some of those conversations would have been because I don't even, the the Wizards don't really have space for another star. So um, I am, I'm a little bit worried. He was very positive and very high on the Wizards' future in. Charlotte, um, he even at one point said, it's been a fun season. Like Brad, I don't know how much Zoloft you are on right now, but it has not been a fun season
0: Kay. for anyone in DC. Uh, we need to do a little role play here, okay? I'm gonna be random NBA All-Star, maybe Chris Middleton. He's an All-Star, sure. he's a agent. <laughs> You're gonna be Bradley Beal. I need you to get into this mode of really recruiting me. What is your pitch? And look, we know what the weaknesses. We spend all year talking about the weaknesses of the Washington Wizards, from the top on down. Yeah. What is the best pitch you can make to me right now, Chris Middleton, impending free agent, to come play basketball with you, Bradley Beal, the new face of the Washington Wizards, until John Wall comes back, which will probably be never in terms of, you know, being on that same level that he was. Like, where do you even start? Like with the Lincoln Memorial? <laughs> Are you just like, look, if, no. you, if you stand at Lincoln's feet, it will take your breath away. I, mean, yeah. is that what your is? I
1: honestly think you have to start by pitching low expectations
0: and say, look, bro. <laughs> no one'll okay. care if you suck, Chris. If you want
1: to make $160 million and not really have to perform very much, come to Washington, DC. You can go on vacation mid April. We can win forty six games and be heroes. This is that's the real dream, bro. Don't let don't get caught up in the title chase. Come to DC and live the life, and then you start pitching like Potomac, Maryland. I know Brad is friends with Kuzi, uh, who's a famous—I uh, think I don't know his first name—Kuznetsov, well, probably not famous, famous Washington Capitals player. <laughs> uh, so, like, you start pitching proximity to Ovechkin and the Capitals, and
0: so, um, so far we've got the Lincoln Memorial. Ice hockey and early vacation.
1: Yeah, and, and life in Potomac, Maryland. Uh, I the the tax situation isn't great, so I don't really know. I, 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 yeah, that's really all I got. <laughs> I got to be
0: honest, I'm not convinced. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I know. I like That's why he was probably pitching Glenn Rice and Mark Price. Um, anyways, yeah, I don't know. Thoughts and prayers to, to Beal. We had a number of people who reached out asking Wait, for a response to so, that tweet.
0: Well, let me ask you, though. like As somebody who follows the team for a long time, and all jokes aside, is there an admirable side to what he's doing here? Like, is he, like, the one remaining loyal guy Is that's what's happening? There is.
1: And, I look, I really like Beal. And yeah. I think a lot Who's of your, people your, who have – You call him Panda? Or something? Yeah, Big Panda, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> Takes me back to the good old days. Uh, no, I really do like him. And he, he is everything you would want in a franchise player, except that he's not quite good enough to lead a franchise by himself. And um, and as someone who's been around him and thinks he kind of like does things the right way and deserves a shot to win, I think he probably needs to go somewhere else. And um, so I hope that at some point he kind of takes a more active role in, in getting them there. And look, I've been over this. The Wizards should trade him in June for a top five pick, either the Knicks if they don't get Zion or the Mavs, like there's some team in the top five. Is going to want help immediately, and and Beal can provide that.
0: Um, You always leave the Lakers out. I don't know why you
1: don't. The Lakers might be in the mix, man. There's no question about it. Um, All right, let's finish out with some highlights from the trip in North Carolina. Jake said, I'm hyped you guys are taking a trip to to basketball Mecca. I grew up in South Carolina. I spent extensive time in NC." And after moving away, I've been amazed at how basketball is ingrained in the culture there. The current NBA roster of Carolina alumni is as follows. Point guard Chris Paul, shooting guard Steph Curry, small forward John Wall. We're going to have to <laughs> phase him out. Um, power forward P.J. Tucker, center Montrez Harrell, off the bench Asan Whiteside, T.J. Warren, Dennis Smith Jr., and then you can also add Chris Middleton and Zion Williamson and Ja Morant if we include South Carolina. I think there's a real argument. He says that Carolina is pound for pound one of the best regions for talent in the United States. I think he just made it.
0: Carolina's up there with everybody. I think it's it's a very strong argument. I mean, California rolls really deep. Yeah. Uh, so they've got to be in the mix. Uh, but you know, Seattle rolls pretty deep, but. There's no question we're in a hotbed. I mean, and that's why we didn't want to just do Charlotte. I mean, the whole idea of the tour that I came up with nine months ago, and you came up, you know, deciding you're going to come with it about three (laughs) days ago uh, was to experience some of it. You've been down here before. It's my first time in North Carolina, but you always hear about the AAU programs and, and how deep that's gone. You always hear about the high school players that came from these different regions. And I guess driving yesterday, I mean, it took us basically five hours to kind of make the drive from, uh charlotte to chapel hill and then down to wilmington north carolina is a big state you know and like the players are coming from lots of different parts of the state when you kind of like map them out you know yeah. it's mean, like wilmington's way down by the coast and there's kinston's more than an hour away from wilmington and you've got the triangle with raleigh and durham and, and Greensboro chapel Hill also
1: produces a Greensboro, lot of talent
0: winston-salem um So I think that's really what I came to understand about North Carolina more than anything else is just that like it's not like there's one program. It's like in Seattle, like Rainier Beach, right? Like there's like three high schools that produce all the NBA players. Yeah. North Carolina, they're not in the 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 powerhouse programs are probably sometimes four, five, six hours away. Yeah, Um, it's pretty phenomenal.
1: The trip to the UNC basketball museum that was wild. Anyone out there who makes their way through Chapel Hill. Take 20 minutes and go to the UNC basketball museum. You know what?
0: Screw that. Anyone who's in the Eastern Seaboard, just go to this basketball museum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you need to go. It, no, it's great. Well, because Chapel Hill is great too to just walk through and hang out for a day. Um, but then the, the UNC museum. It was important for me because I'm kind of a lapsed Tar Heel fan yeah. at this point in my life. But I I was able to reconnect with guys like Raymond Felton and Jackie Manuel and. David Noel,
0: um, Jawad Williams, basically everyone from that 2005 no, team. There was just deep cuts throughout the whole museum. Like I was going there thinking it was going to be a Michael Jordan shine, but they didn't take that tact at all. It was like, we're going to show you every championship team from the 1920s on. And If, yeah. you, if you have a favorite player from some random squad over the last 20 years, we probably have his shorts behind a glass box. And yeah? they did have like crazy MJ memorabilia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because...
1: Dean Smith kept meticulous records so we had uh, you know like recruiting cards yeah recruiting cards we had MJ's letter of intent and then Jordan's people provided a letter of uh, a letter from Mike Šaševski expressing disappointment that Jordan didn't go to Duke, which was the single greatest
0: thing in the entire museum. It might be the the single greatest thing in any museum. I mean, think (laughs) about it right. This is like one of the deepest rivalries of all time. Like, this is like Michigan, Ohio State. This is like, you know, North Carolina Duke is like as intense as it gets. They have behind glass a letter where, you know, basically Mike Krzyzewski is saying, look, I understand. Here he does. I'll read it to you. It's dated October 29th, 1980, addressed to Mr. Michael Jordan. Dear Mike, I am sorry to hear that you no longer have an interest in learning more about Duke University. However, I do want you to know that my staff and I wish you the very best in your college career. You are a fine young man, and you should make an immediate impact on whatever you choose. Take care and best of luck. Sincerely, Mike Krzyzewski. Now, that is a very classy letter, but when you put it inside a museum, where you're basically just like checkmate yeah doing basketball that is like one of <laughs> that's one of the single greatest flexes i've ever seen
1: it was awesome and uh yeah i just i forgot how much i love like so many of those teams through the years whether even like i wasn't really around for the jerry stackhouse rasheed wallace carolina teams but
0: like i have retroactively worshiped them anyways we should give a thanks to steve Kirshner, uh one of the SIDs at Carolina. He showed us around the building. I want to know what do you think when we went in the Dean Dome. We're on the floor. Had you ever done that before? I hadn't. Like get down there on the floor. I mean, that is a huge basketball arena. And he was telling us their attendance might be a little bit down from the heyday, but they're still pulling on average eighteen thousand fans for home games just across their schedule. Yeah. Twice a week, basically. I guess they probably have one home game a week essentially. Um, which is most than which is more than most NBA games. That's what I was going to say. That is crazy level of interest and you know it's not really that surprising because you know when we think about carolina basketball it's like you just think there's never going to be an empty seat in the house but it's a huge building it felt like an nba arena when they're down there on the court you know you've got the, the concourses going all the way up um, yeah they yeah. also had a
1: carolina papa shot in their locker room which at one point i'm going to be successful enough to spend eight thousand dollars on a <laughs> carolina
0: papa shot
1: and i can't wait yeah, i can't wait either
0: uh, i'm coming over to play it my other favorite two details One, outside the weight room at UNC, Yeah, they had the wall of Jordans. Like, just 30 different uh, Jordan sneakers, all in Carolina colorways. That was pretty sick for anyone who likes sneakers. My other favorite detail was Roy Williams' office being gigantic with, like, multiple couches. Like, all this frame stuff everywhere, all over his office. But then, right adjacent to his office was the outdoor covered barbecue pit, essentially. Where, like, they had, like, this huge... uh, like barbecue grill setup where you could just sort of like entertain people outside. They said that sometimes the the coaches and players do it during the off season. They're living pretty good. They are. At UNC. They're living pretty good. You know, I would like to be a college basketball coach. I think it's
1: it's very hard work um, that would drive you insane for like 70% of the time and then 30% of the time you're basically like grilling and playing golf and telling (laughs) stories. So it's not a bad breakdown when you think about it in those terms. Um, All right. Let me finish off here with a couple quotes that I have recorded from the weekend.
0: So I've been driving the whole time for five hours and you've just been sitting there transcribing the crazy stuff that comes out of my mouth. Is that what's happening?
1: Yeah. So the first thing is um, I wanted to, to mention, I told somebody on Saturday That we were coming down here, or that I was coming down here after the weekend. And their response was, oh, cool. So are you going to go down there with your wife and just hang out for a couple days? I was like, really had to hang my head and say, no, it's going to be... Me and uh, Ben Goliver, and then they were like, oh, so it's your work wife. That'll be great. Oh.
0: <laughs> so, I had people claiming that we were not going to make it back in one piece.
1: Yeah, well, it's a reasonable fear. The trip's not over yet. Hey. But um, here we are, open floor on the open road. Uh, and can you also tell the Lowry Marketing story from Friday night?
0: Okay, so on the last episode, you were giving me all that grief about having the, the sneakers that light up the colors and they have to be charged that night. And I was very proud of myself for getting them. Right? Yeah. So the very next day we go to the I go to the Rising Stars challenge. They let me down on the court like before the game. So I'm watching all these guys warm up. And what do I notice? Luke and Donchish, D'Aaron Fox, basically all the Nike athletes are wearing the the Adapt sneakers that are self-lacing, that have the motor in them. You know, sure. the, the hottest new thing that Nike's trying to push, right? Yeah. Larry Markkinen, of all people, has these beautiful custom airbrush sneakers with his finisher nickname, the Finland flag, Chicago Bulls shout-outs on his sneakers. And he's out there warming up, too, and he just kind of sidles up to uh, Luca, And he's like, you're not going to wear those during the game, are you? (laughs) And and I was standing there, and I just went from being so proud of myself to just beginning the ultimate gut punch that Larry Markkinen (laughs) was just like – Basically shoe shaming yeah. all of Nike basketball's athletes.
1: Yeah, yeah, you were dunked on by Lowry. That's fantastic. Um I, I also got to see Lowry, by the way, in like the Nike gifting suite at oh, one yeah? point. And the Nike athletes are really taken care of. Yeah. They were given every every Nike athlete gets a Hockey bag. I I don't know if you've ever played hockey, but just like- Oh yeah, big hockey guy. (laughs) (laughs) Hockey's huge in Portland. Um, Just a giant suitcase full of gear and just ridiculous. There was other stuff in there too. Um, It would be good to be sponsored by Nike. That was my takeaway from
0: the afternoon. Can I just say that that the Lowry dunking was only the second worst of the whole weekend? Because I mentioned the Uber driver earlier. We were in an Uber going to that TNT take-a-thon- yeah, Charles Barkley and Shaq. And I was kind of floating out some of the places that we were going to visit. And the Uber driver was from Carolina. And at one point, I asked about like what Wilmington was like. And she's like, well, it's by the coast. It's kind of slow and boring. There's not going not, not much going on. It's the off season. Don't worry about it. And I was like, well, that actually sounds pretty great. Like, I, you know, we can use a couple of days off nice and slow. And she was like, yeah. Well, you sound pretty boring, so you'll fit right in. It <laughs> was just like, whoa, like to go from her, the hot takes woman, just trashing that personality, to Charles Barkley going in on everything from Zion to you know labor laws and everything else. It was, uh, was yeah, quite a night. That was the take of the weekend, I think. Um, I really haven't recovered. I've been thinking, I've been like, <laughs> kind of, you know, in my head, like hearing her words taking me down all weekend long.
1: Yep, um, and you, you also. I, I think it was Thursday night. You got home and your, your app
0: for your shoes
1: wasn't working. <laughs> it took me like
0: an hour and a half to figure out how to connect the shoes. I had to like email the Nike people. They were very friendly like helping me with it. But the whole time as I was trying to get them to connect to my phone, I was just thinking I'm so glad Sharp's not here because he would be mocking me relentlessly. Yeah. If you saw uh, how much trouble I was having getting the
1: technology to work. that's the future you deserve. Um, the uh, next the next thing was, the next highlight for me was uh, watching the video at the UNC Basketball Museum. There was like a, a three or four minute Jordan video and your response at the end of it was, uh, "Okay." well, at the end of it, they said the greatest basketball player who ever lived. And your response was, Oh, yeah, they're not going to have to recut that for LeBron. (laughs) I think we're good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you caught that one. I was pretty proud of that. Well, you know, we went and talked to the AD at... michael jordan's high school laney yeah uh mr frederick by the way mr frederick local lunch actually has his name written on the court at laney high school that's big time you know wouldn't you love to have an andrew sharp court i guess it would be edward court Uh, (laughs) ea sharp (laughs) coliseum (laughs) yeah at one point that'd be pretty cool right yeah Uh, nice bucket list but i asked him you know what do you think i mean you saw michael in high school he had been at the school for almost 40 years he said he remembered the days when the sold-out gym, twelve hundred and fifty people would pack in to see Young Mike play basketball. Yeah, and, I, and I, you know, I asked, followed his career the whole way. Obviously, you follow basketball now. You know, Mike or LeBron. You know, this is the question everybody's asking: like, are you still with Mike? And he says, "I'm going to give you the Harden look," and then he gave you that <laughs> that side eye from the famous gym, and he and he had a perfect rendition of it. And I just started laughing. I was like, "Of course, man!" You yeah, know?
1: exactly. You guys are on the same page. Um, and speaking of. Jordan and greatness, three more quotes. And the first is, when we were driving into Wilmington, you looked around and said, can you believe this is where our greatest American comes from? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so <laughs> make your case. <laughs> well, look, I, I was thinking about this. Maybe I needed to append living.
1: I don't think people understand like what level of, of stand we're really working with when we're talking about you and Michael Jordan?
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've been a lifelong fan of Jordan's memorabilia, cards, jerseys, all of it. Uh, and as I explained to the AD at Laney, like, it's a brainwashing. You know, I was like, I grew up in the, in the shadows of the Nike World Campus in Beaverton in Oregon. Like, if yeah. you were ever going to just get like Michael Jordan propaganda, like just, mainline right into your body like that's where it was going to happen
1: it's so funny how our impressions of Jordan are just uh, like 180 degrees different because I the Jordan I experienced look he's the best player of all time but I experienced Wizards Jordan yeah so I think of him as this like slightly bloated glassy-eyed guy who's been mainlining tequila for the last 15 (laughs) years and you're just like living in a nike commercial that never ends
0: yeah no i'm basically just watching like i'm being like tortured you know i'm like in a tortured room with my eyes like (laughs) i'm held open and i'm just like watching the 87 dunk contest on an endless loop with gatorade being like poured into my mouth and nike sneakers being uh, hoisted upon me yeah um but i mean greatest living american that might be slightly overstating no no no. we'll save that we'll discuss it next summer (laughs) let me ask you this though can you think of someone else who's better an american who's better at what he did than jordan or she anyone mm. it's tough it is tough um
1: yeah i mean i could nominate potential like tiger woods was really really good at what he did
0: yeah, but, but i'm not picking tiger but over he claims out, out. i'm yeah. taking yeah. jordan over tiger ten times out of ten and look up. I mean the Look, the thing is with the greatest living american we should be factoring in things like charity and like yeah. you know like personality and all that right i'm solely based on like domination of basketball right that's really like my only Yeah well and i like criteria
1: for that it, we're trying to do this live and i'm confined to like athletes i can name from the yeah. past 20 years
0: um but uh no, i mean you can make case like bill gates like very strong case like he's not a perfect guy but he's donated billions of dollars, yes. completely changed the world. So, like, Well, and Melinda Gates, I think, was the okay. impetus for a lot of that philanthropy well, from, from Bill. There you go. If you want to do it as a package deal and put that up against uh, Michael and his second wife, you know, the, the Gates are probably winning. <laughs> 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 but,
1: you know, like,
0: we're in this class when we're talking about Jordan. That's what I'm saying. Sure. Like, don't you think he's the kind of person, assuming the world exists 300 years from now, yeah. he's still going to be talking Definitely. And, how and many should be. And how many living Americans can we say? I about? just
1: want to remember the glassy-eyed tequila <laughs> version of Michael, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, we didn't see any of those uh, pictures when we walked around Laney. We saw the Bulls jersey. <laughs> yeah. We didn't see the Wizards jersey, did we? We did not see Wizards, Jordan. All right,
1: last two quotes, because they are two of the saddest quotes from you I've ever heard. Perfect. Well, um, first... I don't know how long it went on. I kind of like checked out mentally. (laughs) But you were talking about Marriott reward points for about five minutes. Sounds right. During our drive and punctuated your monologue by saying, I'd live in a courtyard if I could. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) It's true. Yeah, so here we are in the courtyard in uh, Carolina Beach. And isn't it beautiful?
0: <laughs> yeah, you it like is. It? it is actually great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fantastic. We got ocean view somehow. It's there's no one else here because it's February, so you know we we picked the perfect time to, no. to uh, you know come and enjoy it all to ourselves. We pretty much do own this hotel at this point.
1: Yeah, we we're, were two of five guests <laughs> staying in Wilmington Beach in the uh, in the dead of February. <laughs> um, but uh, and then the final qu- quote completely unprompted and I did not engage with it at the time was you blurting out warships are an underrated tourist destination. They just get overlooked especially by millennials. It's
0: true. So,
2: <laughs> it's true.
1: Look,
0: I you know me, Captain Tourist. Um it, there's only a certain number of things that you're going to find almost anywhere when you travel, right? Like you're going to guarantee to get museums. There's going to be aquariums. Like there's a certain level of things like fun zones, those kinds of things, more for like the kids, right? I guess. Uh, right. So Do you
1: find warships? I've never seen a warship outside of like New Orleans.
0: Well, you sound like a millennial. Um, <laughs> you know, look, up and down the California coast, there's a lot of them. Okay. Actually, in Michigan where my uh, – my extended family sort of has lived, like there used to be a lot of submarines from World War II. You will just learn stuff if you go on the tours. If you you get the little dorky headphones and you might get lice from them. So, you know, be careful, like (laughs) try to wipe them down before you get those headphones. Listen to the audio tours. If you happen to see a veteran, a lot of times veterans will be there. Sometimes they'll be working there. Sometimes they'll just be visiting. Yeah. Don't be afraid to strike up a conversation with a veteran. Learn a little bit about that person's, you know, service to our country. And, you know, I'm sounding like I'm proud to be an American right now. No, this like, is great.
1: This is awesome advice to close out an All-Star podcast. <laughs> Anyone who's thinking about visiting All-Star weekend in the future, just look, remember,
0: visit a warship,
1: you yeah. know, and get the little headphones. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> look,
0: it's so... Okay, Do you ever, it right. Have you ever tried to wrap your mind around the idea of like, hey, look, you've been drafted into the army. It's your job to go protect our country. Like, have you ever seriously thought no. about that? Because I, I have, have seriously
1: thought about that. I And I've... Come to the conclusion that I can't really wrap right. my head around 100% that me
0: too. And we have that luxury. There's a lot of people who didn't have that luxury, right? And yeah. A lot of people died along the way. And those warships, I think, they're sort of like a symbol of American might, right? But they're also telling a story about very serious things that like altered the entire history of our globe. Yeah. And so from that standpoint, why not go? I mean, it only takes what, 45 minutes. You don't have 45 minutes for our for our wonderful See, navy. This
1: is why I didn't respond to you in the car when you blurted out your warship take. I wanted the whole world to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh
0: facts only, okay? Yeah,
1: it is. It is facts only from old Grandpa Golver. And on that note, it's time to wrap things up. We will be back later in the week with thoughts from Duke, North Carolina, and the first wave of NBA games, and uh, it should be great. Thanks for listening, and um, yeah. I can't, I can't wait to see the USS Zion.
0: I'll tell you that. <laughs> Here we go. Here <laughs> guys, we go. You can email us, openfloormail at gmail.com, openfloormail at gmail.com. We've had a lot of fun doing these in-person pods. We thank you guys so much for listening and following along all, all-star weekend long. The playoffs are right around the corner. We want to hear your questions, comments, concerns, takes, predictions about what's to come down the stretch of this season. Don't forget, check us out on Apple Podcasts by searching for Open Floor. That's two words. Find our page, scroll down. It will say rate and review, tap five stars. It's just that easy. Andrew, you were sharing our statistics about our podcast with me recently. We've got more listeners. I'm hoping all those new listeners will go help us out, support the cause, and rate and review the podcast. We're also on the world-famous radio.com slash open floor check us out there as well finally i'm at Oliver on instagram we're posting all this amazing north carolina trip content on instagram people keep saying that andrew looks a little bit like my son i don't appreciate those comments andrew is a full-fledged Look, adult human being f-
1: first of all you're like six five <laughs> and i'm not enjoying the like 8.30 a.m. photo <laughs> shoots for your Instagram. So. My bad. My bad. All right.
0: Look, I need a, I need a social media manager for BG Tours. Okay? Yeah. I don't, I don't have that uh, taken down. But also, the Lantern segment is going to be going up sometime in the next 48 hours, so be sure to check that out. Right. Andrew, until later this week after we've experienced the greatness of Zion yep. in person at you, Cameron Indoor... Look, USS Zion is his nickname on this podcast for forever the, forever yes yeah. well, so we're good perfect until after we ride the USS Zion <laughs> i will talk to you <laughs> all right take it easy